everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. And like I say every week, as always, my name is Brad and I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Alex. Alex, say hello to all the beautiful people back home. Hello, all the beautiful people back home. All right. And if you're ugly back home, you were, you're, you're beautiful on the inside. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are looking at some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Kaldheim spoilers. Today's date is Tuesday, January 19th, and spoilers have officially ended. And the set could literally drop any second. Yeah. So, like, we could literally be halfway through the podcast. It's like, oh, wait, the whole set's out. But yeah, not to be worried. We're waiting on a few more cards. Are, are all the rares out? We don't get all the rares yet? I'll be honest, I don't really pay attention to that. Also because... We, we have all the mythics. I know that. We have all the mythics. Also because there's very often the gems are actually in the uncommons in the commons. So... Yes. This set is this set has a lot of like mediocre rares. So it's not always the most exciting. I mean, every set has some mediocre rares. Speaking of mediocre rares, uh, before we get started, I would like to just shout out the Seattle Kraken getting a fucking spoiler. That's amazing amazing and they got a kraken card <laughs> it was great i love it uh the seattle kraken is the new expansion team for the nhl will be the 32nd team in the nhl which is hockey and they will be starting they'll have uh, after this season which is currently underway just started uh, a couple few weeks ago um they will be having their expansion draft and then we'll be entering the league officially for the 2021 2022 season on behalf of every european or are there every non-north american yes Hey, I I know people <laughs> who do not live in either Canada or Canada or the U.S. and they uh, they they enjoy hockey, they enjoy uh, supporting their uh, their brethren because you got people from the from the Netherlands that are playing hockey in the NHL. You got people like from the Czech Republic. A lot of them probably come from because hockey. I suppose you talk about ice, like on ice skates, right? Yes, yes, ice hockey. Yeah, the. Dutch play a lot of hockey, but that's not on ice. Okay, well. So I suppose they come from there, because we are really good at that, somehow. Get get some ice. <laughs> yeah, so we're just like, well, we can do this on ice. Right, we're good at hockey, we're good at ice skating, so I suppose we'd be good at the combination of the two. Yes, and uh, I guess real quick, I will uh, just, for funsies, read off this spoiler, which we're going to try and go... We have a list that we put together for spoilers that we're going to talk about, but the Seattle Kraken were given the wonderful, wonderful spoiler of Icebreaker Kraken. It's a snow creature, Kraken, for 10 mana in double blue, so 12 whopping mana for an 8-8. Uh, by the way, it's Icebreaker Kraken. It's a literal Kraken in, like, coming out of the ice, like you would assume. It's a snow creature, and the n- name of the artist that did the art is Chris Cold. <laughs> it is the most <laughs> amazing thing I've ever seen. But anyway... You get a big boy, 8-8 eight, eight for 12. This spell costs one less to cast for each snow land you control. When Icebreaker Kraken enters the battlefield, artifacts and creatures target opponent uh, controls do not untap during that player's next untap step. You may return three snow lands you control to their owner's hand. Return Icebreaker Kraken to its owner's hand. So I think that's uh, really cool. It's me a... Uh... Coral Lake ancient uh, vibes. Yeah. From a truck here, also bouncing through that. But for, I mean, this could be kind of cool in standard. I can honestly see like a snow control deck just casually waiting before until this card is three or four mana. 
If you could just go full on snow control. And we got the uh, the the snow scry card that we talked about before. Um, so like, yeah, I, I think standard is going to have a, I would imagine like a Demir or even Esper snow. I think Esper would be the way to go. Again, this is the first standard uh, we're going to have in a while. I think you could legit be blue white, but I'm not an expert on standard. I have a friend of mine who plays a lot of blue white, who likes blue white control and standard, and he says you could probably play blue white snow. It's still would be a little cool. awkward because this is the first set, or not the first set, but the first standard environment that doesn't have proper dual lands in a while, like years. Um, yeah, like it's all tap, right? At this point. Yeah, all tap. We've got, we've got triomes, temples. Um, and then you have the, the pathland. Or the pathways, like oh yeah, the pathways and the pathways. You have to pick a side. So we don't have any true untapped dual sources, uh, which is incredibly interesting for standard. So I know it. I've heard it generally leads to bad standard formats. But to be honest, I haven't played standard in like forever. Yeah. So oh, well, the the pathways might make that weird middle ground. You know, where like you have the flexibility. Yeah, true. But I've always heard it like Ravnica. St- standards tend to be good and that's partially because the mana works which means multicolored aggro decks work yes and if all your lands enter tapped then you can't play multicolored aggro decks but who am i i just play mono red to farm gold i just re-roll my quests until they say either attack with creatures or quest or cast red spells and then i farm gold that's it and then when you get that one that says play 40 lands you cry yes <laughs> That's the worst one. Oh, no, that, that one's great. I mean, I have a deck full of one-mana spells of, like, every color, right? If I hadn't played, like, multiple, like, white-green ones, like, yeah, I'll play green and historic with Lanawar Elves and just throw my hand on the table and concede, uh, and I'll be done in a second. But play 40 lands, especially it's play. You can't even play ramp spells. I, I think 40 lands is one of my favorite ones to do because uh, I have... Like a Lotus Cobra, um, like basically Omnath less Omnath with like Genesis Ultimatum and stuff like that, and like Terror of the Peaks. And that one just gets me to 40 lands in like two games. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I would probably just build a deck with like Azuna, Arboreal Grazer, uh, the Pack Beast thing, and then just like 30 lands. Yes. That'd probably be my deck. Just off oh, 30 lands, like 50 lands be done in a second before we go off on a tangent on how to farm gold properly with the horrible <laughs> decks that you're going to build in arena to just which i am pretty good at i'm pretty i'm pretty well set up on arena hey just uh just you know play 50 lands and uh call it a day <laughs> yeah um just Embercleave people that's all i've been doing in standard for the past three months we have some spoilers to go over like i said we have a list that we're going to talk about again and i am immediately deviating from the list because I noticed another card and I have to talk about this. All right. Well, let me give the little thing first. I want to let everyone know that we're not going to be discussing every single card because, oh my God, that wouldn't work. We're not doing a set review and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, we could look into that in the future if that's requested. But for now, we're going to stick with our top five cards for Pioneer thing, which we will be recording later in the week. And I have special guest Adrian joining us. And we're going to try and get Matt on. I'm still figuring out Matt's schedule, but at the very least, we will have Adrian join us as well. Hopefully, we get Matt on too. So we can hear his wonderful takes on what bad cards he thinks are going to be good in Pioneer, and we'll, we'll take the moment. We'll take a moment before we get started. We're going to review very quickly our top tens from Zenikar Rising and see how we did. <laughs> oh, I still I have to fish up that document, but I'll find it. I got it right here in my notes. Getting into the list, so. I was immediately going to deviate. We're just going over mythic spoilers, so we're just going to go top to bottom. 
Um, so we'll end with the newer cards. And no particular order like we had last week, mostly just due to time constraints on our side. I'm finishing my internship and Brad was busy. But the first card I want to talk about got me pretty excited, and it's Crush the Week. Now, Crush the Week is two and a red for a sorcery. Crush the Week deals two damage to each creature. If a creature dealt damage this way would die this turn, exile it instead. And it has foretell of only one red. So it's like a flexible, slightly worse Anger of the Gods. But I really like the idea of foretelling this on turn two. On turn three, you just immediately just flip this, wipe all the small stuff on the board, and you can hold up like an eliminate. And you just immediately, like, it feels really good against these decks that, like, start with a ton of one drops. Like, something like Mono Black Aggro, where you're playing control, and they just go, like, one drop, one drop, one drop, one drop. It's like, I'm going to be dead before turn four if I don't, like, try and stop this. But I don't have enough spot removal to catch up. So you are going to be forced to use all your spot removal, but you're still going to be at, like, six life, and you're going to die to a Ranko and a Mutavolt. And that's what I really like about it. This one mana sweeper, the tempo is huge. And it's not bad otherwise. It's kind of just like Cry of the Carnarium, like flaying tendrils type of sweeper yeah we've seen cards like this uh be playable and at the very least they're standard environments um i don't know about pioneer um but this would certainly i think the flexibility i think the flexibility might help in certain metas like this card looks really good to me against mono black for exactly like the situation i described this uh this reminds me of like a fiery cannonade and uh what's the one that yeah that doesn't have creatures with flying that was from uh, like a M flame flame breath flame vel something yeah I think it's just flame breath but I'm not sure it, it's a flamey card and it's red it's it's the same cost two and a two and a red but yeah that's that's what this reminds me of it's just a, a little bit more flexible version of those but yeah I like it yeah exactly too bad it's not instant I, I think it was no, that's oh that's what the other one has over it the flame vel one was instant yeah the fiery cannonades an instant too uh, but this this exiles which another so it's really just this just really is sort of like unique in that way true right it, it just falls just in between it's two but it's not instant but it's easier to cast but it does exile so it's just going to be very meta dependent uh but in the right meta i think this is a nice option to have i don't think it's like going to be the default red sweeper because you probably want to deal that three damage or even that like four or five damage with storm's wrath or hour of devastation but it's nice to have it's a good sideboard card oh yeah um but the actual bottom of the list card is Starnheim Unleashed with unbelievably cool promo art, by the way. Yeah, I like this a lot. Both arts are both arts are pretty cool, but the art with like the one angel showing up is really badass. So, Brad, what does Starnheim Unleashed do? Starnheim Unleashed is our mythic uh, foretell card of the cycle in white. So it costs two in double white for a sorcery. Create a, uh, I'm sorry, create a 4-4 white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. If this spell was foretold, create X of those tokens instead. And its foretell cost is double X and a white. So this seems, and I mean, <laughs> this before, anytime you see a big kind of card that does things like this in white, everyone's like, oh my God, it's the control finisher we've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's entreat the angels but like i mean it's kind of an entreat the angels yeah throwback right i think it's uh i think it's a cool card it just um it's a big insult to sarah angel by the way but this entire set is an insult to sarah angel 
There's like four cards or something that make four four uh, vigilance flying angel tokens, and they all cost less than Sarah Angel, and they do other things. Yeah, this poor Sarah Angel reprinted in Dominaria with art depicting her stabbing herself with her sword, and now we see what happens when you do that. The card's cute. Um, it, it's I, I say this all the time. This is a card that's gonna kill me. I'm gonna die to this card 100 at some point in Pioneer. That doesn't mean I think it's amazing. It's like a Mary's call. I legit think this this could work in a in a control deck uh, because as opposed to some of the other cards, um, this card comes out a little bit earlier. The tokens have vigilance, so and four four is like nothing to scoff at. Yeah, I could see the curve of just you foretell this on turn two. You just like I don't know question mark question mark on turn three. Uh, on turn four, you sweep the board. And on turn five, you just make two four fours flying vigilance. Like, that is a pretty, like, good way to just make a game go quick. Now, if Blue White really cares for the game going long, it's obviously another thing. But this makes it so you can actually play a Blue White control deck that doesn't take seven years to kill your opponent. And the fact that you get uh, a Sarah's Angel in on turn three. Uh, if you just go that route, is kind of funny to me. Yeah, you just go Fortel, Sarah Angel. Sure. Cool. Look at that. Even even that's like not terrible, right? Yeah, a three mana, four, four flying vigilance. Uh, that's that's above right. Yeah, there's some decks where you just play this. You're like, what are you going to do? Like run all your creatures into this one by one? The only thing, uh, could you imagine if this had a lifelink? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I could imagine aggro not existing if this had lifelink. Yeah, imagine a turn three, four, four. <laughs> This is a flying 4 4 with a lifelink. Nice. Thank you. Turn four, Aurelia, and then turn five, Lyra, and then you laugh. Man, that would be like the destroyer of of um is it Meme Slayer Angel? Like this would be even better. But moving on to the next card, because we do have a uh, little bit of a time constraint again. Weathered Runestone. This is uh, this is an interesting card. Mm-hmm. It's uh too generic for an artifact. Non-land permanent cards in graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield, and players can't cast spells from graveyards or libraries. So this is your Gravedigger's Cage, really. Almost the same as Gravedigger's Cage, with I believe the only difference is that Gravedigger says that you cannot cast... uh, It says uh, creatures from graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield. This says non-land permanence. Mm-hmm. So there's no tutoring up artifacts, tutoring up uh, planeswalkers that you would be able to do with a um, with a weathered runestone. Uh, sorry, you would be able to do if Gravedigger's Cage is out, you can't do once weathered runestone is So I am going to just point to my Twitter account for this, uh, for this uh, card evaluation. When this card was spoiled, originally, I tweeted out, on the 12th, everyone is vastly overrating the new two-mana Graftigger's Cage. I think... Oh yeah, I don't think it's that good. Yeah, I saw Twitter absolutely blow up when this card was spoiled. Everyone freaked out, and like again, I think it's a good card. It will see play. It will see play in sideboards and it'll see play in the right meta. It's just whether or not, like in modern, I'm going to say no. In modern, that difference between turn one and two against like things like uh, Oops All Spells and uh, Dredge. 
that sort of thing. Dredge, it's so important. So this won't see modern play. Pioneer, I could see it being a medical, depending on like if it works, that kind of thing. It's just choosing, do you go Graph Digger's Cage or do you go this? Um, but yeah, everyone freaked out like crazy. It would almost like depend on um, just on like future cards, right? I really can't think of a card that is like super dominant that tutors up um, things that aren't creatures. Right, like War of Invention comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But like, how often do we play that? Like, cheating things from your uh, Bring to Light, I guess? Well, this does. But, like, Bring to Light would still... How, how does it work? With, I think Bring to Light even works around this, right? Because, yeah, it puts it in exile, and then you cast it from exile. So it doesn't even work against that. This is a better check than Grafter's Cage against um, Ultimate... Uh, or... Genesis, yeah, Genesis Ultimatum. Oh, the Ultimatums, because you can't, you can't make, can't have your Ugin enter the battlefield, I guess. Yes, because when I would play the Genesis Ultimatum decks, there are times they'll have Cage out, and I laugh because I'm like, I can still get my Ugin. <laughs> but so this this stops that. But that's all I can really think of that's relevant currently. Um, things like that. Otherwise, it's a fine card. But yeah, I agree with you. It, this is one to keep an eye on for future evaluation, depending on what we get with other sets and how we go from there. Yeah, agreed. Not not potentially good, not fantastic. Probably very niche medical. I feel like we see Cage. We sort of see Cage rotate in and out, right? Together with Soul Guide Lantern and Tormod's Crypt and like Rest in Peace. And those cards are kind of rotating. I suppose Weathered Runestone... I don't think Weathered Roots are like fits in there. I don't think it's as good as all those other cards. But yeah. occasionally it'll be like, hey, I'm filling a hole that you all aren't. And you might see it. Agreed. Maybe they print like an even crazier. I mean, again, future card. They print like Wurrurur of Invention and it two does like two artifacts. You're like, whoa, this is crazy. And then <laughs> you can have this. <laughs> the worst of inventions. Yes. Um, Moving on to uh to the next card being Mystic Reflection. I love this card. This is so cool. What does it do, Brad? Tell me. It is a one in a blue instant. Choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature, and it has a foretell cost of one. And this is so cool. <laughs> like I just think Nice Nissa would be a shame if it was a Lanawar elf. <laughs> <laughs> even worse like if it's like a, a grazer or something or like I, I, this is this is cool i think this is this this is gonna this, this card is gonna mess people up like <laughs> this is gonna, this is gonna see play i think this is gonna be like yeah i, right. I think this card is legit good yeah like, I, this is going to be in the same vein as tail's end for me it's gonna end up being an underrated card that is much better than people went on. Oh, you know what's even better? You've got that new blue removal spell, and you turn your opponent's card into a bird, <laughs> and then the next creature that enters will also enter as a bird. Uh, oh, it... I think there is a card that says, like, creatures with flying, your opponent controls, get minus one attack or something. You just lock them out. Alex, this is how you make Divine Gambit work. You exile their thing, and then on the stack, when they about they get to cast their Ugin for free, you're like, yeah, but now it's a land of war health <laughs> with the Mystic Reflection. <laughs> <laughs> we broke Divine Gambit. We did it. We made white great again. No, but th- but this card is great. Um, <laughs> important thing to point out, because um, 
I saw this being discussed about for Commander, and people got the ruling wrong. It is the next time one or more creatures. Now, one or more is there in case you play like an intruder alarm, and um, that makes two tokens at once. And it would like, again, if your opponent has like a land or elf and they play an intruder alarm, by the way, don't do this, it's terrible. But you then cast this, both the tokens will be a land or elf. If they then cast another spell, Mystic Reflection no longer works. It's just for the next time one or more cards enter. Uh, this was mentioned on Twitter because of Avenger of Zendikar. Um, if you play Avenger of Zendikar with 10 lands out, you would play this, play an Avenger of Zendikar, then you would get 10 more Avengers of Zendikar and end up with 100 plants. But people thought it was causing a game loop because it would keep turning the plants into Avengers of Zendikar, but that doesn't happen. It only happens once. Yeah, Still great, though. Because like you want to cast this when your opponent is like tapping out for one big spell, right? If you're playing against an elf's deck, turning their Dwin and Elite into a Lanowar elf isn't very successful, right? You want to really get them with this. The only thing I'm a little bit surprised, like yeah, so the the like the card would still be on the battlefield. Yeah, okay, no, no, I I cleared it up for myself. I was thinking like, where does the card go? But it doesn't make like a token copy. The card is just treated as a copy. Hmm. And the next spell on the list is Poison the Cup. Now, Poison the Cup, I'll quickly read it out, is one black black, for instance, destroy target creature. That's literally just murder. If this spell was foretold, scry two. And then as a foretell of one and a, and a black. I wanted to put this card on because last week we talked about uh, Should Have Seen It Coming and Behold the Multiverse. And we pointed out, like, hey, it's really nice that these sort of, like, controlling-style cards have the same foretell cost, right? It's two to exile and then two to cast. Yep. This fits in with that line. Now, I don't think Poison the Cup is good enough, but I, I think I wanted to cover, like, the package that we have here. And again, this is, like, Poison the Cup, Seed of Cena Coming, and Behold the Multiverse. This is just another card to add to that control package where all the foretell cards cost the same. Yeah. And that makes this card better. Uh, if the other two cards didn't exist, I would say this card's pretty bad. But because the other cards exist, it makes this package, and then I think Poison the Cup is better. I still don't think it's a great card, but it's better because it makes part of that package. Yeah, um, we did talk about this card off-cast a little bit, and we were having this discussion where we're, you were saying you kind of wish it was just like a hero's downfall effect. Yes. Where it was also a target planeswalker. And then you would obviously skip the scry. Yeah. Like skip the scry and make this downfall. Or make it destroy target creature if you foretell this, destroy target creature or planeswalker instead. Just something like that. Oh, that might be fine. Um, do you think it would overtake uh, Murder Shrider at that point? No, I think it could literally be straight downfall with foretell and it would occasionally overtake Murderous Rider. I still don't think it would all the time. Uh, I think it would compete with Murderous Rider. Maybe if it's straight up uh, downfall, it would be, but not really though, because you're either paying three or four. Yeah, like the the fact that you get to like space this out matters much more, I think, for a control deck. And Hero's Downfall just isn't really seeing play. It's like super occasionally, like showing up as like a one or two off, like in a Demir deck, like every. 25 Demir decks that show up in a challenge. Yeah. And I pointed this out to Brian, I was a little bit frustrated, because creatures have gotten like more ridiculous every year. Hero's Downfall was printed in like 2013, and that is somehow still the benchmark for a black generic removal spell, yet 
Omnath and Uro and stuff exist. Where I'm like, if you're saying we don't want to push removal, because that's the thing, right? We keep going, all these cards keep going out of hand because the answers just aren't good enough. So if you're going to give us increasingly better creatures, you should also give us increasingly better removal spells. Now, this would lead to unbelievable power creep. So it's sort of like, I'm fine with this not being downfall if we quote-unquote get the promise from wizards that they stop printing stupid creatures like this. I think they can. I mean, we there's arguably a couple in this set that people are like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> what are you doing? And, and maybe for me, it's also annoying because I really like the idea of this package. And as we talk about, I mean, in Pioneer, you've got the problem where dig through time is still legal. Again, talk from a control perspective. So I don't think Behold the Multiverse is good enough because in your draw spell slot, it sort of competes with dig through time. And what what card ever is going to compete with Dick through time, right? The card is crazy powerful. Yeah. So, but I really feel like in that way, it's sort of like behold the multiverse as like unfair competition. Like you can never match Dick through time. If a card would match Dick through time, it would probably be broken in standard. But this poison the cup card kind of like weighs down the package because this is like slightly better murder. But God, murder is so bad. So slightly better murder compared to like slightly better cancel and slightly better like glimmer of genius style card like those are pretty reasonable but this really weighs that package down and i was really sort of looking forward to playing with this package but this makes me feel like it's it's standard this isn't pioneer yeah but maybe maybe um I w- we haven't got a lot of spoilers yet this is an uncommon maybe there's another cool uncommon to go with this and the package is complete so to speak i would like to touch on a couple of things first thing because i i, I want to move backwards after i make this comment this one is not about the card at all. Um, this is about the art. Do you get Amonkhet vibes from this art? Oh, yes. This super Amonkhet vibes. This doesn't look like a Kaldheim card at all. Yeah, it looks because like you have like the shoulder uh, dress kind of thing with this, the sleeves and then like no shirt on or anything. Like the horn is Kaldheim, but like everything else feels very much Amonkhet. The lighting feels Amonkhet. Um, like it just... It looks like he's lying on a sandstone floor. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Like, yeah, I, I, super Amonkhet vibes. but. Um, now, I would like to move backwards real quick and talk about a couple of cards. Um, the first one is, uh, I don't believe we talked about this one last week. Maybe we did. I'm sorry, no, let's track. You can correct me if, I, if we already did. Uh, Fierja's uh, Retribution, the four mana Orzov saga. Did we talk about that one last week? Uh, no, 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 we didn't. Okay. So Fierja's uh, Retribution is my favorite of the entire saga cycle. For the rares, at least. And I guess the uncommons as well. By the way, if you haven't been keeping track, every single guild gets a rare and an uncommon saga in this set. So this is the rare of uh, Orzov. So Frieza's Retribution is one double white and a black for a four mana saga enchantment. Chapter one, create a four four white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. Cool. Four 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 flying vigilance. We 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 talk about this. Sarah Angel with a discount. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this again with uh, Starnheim, so we're back here again. Chapter two. Until the end of turn, angels you control gain tap. Destroy target creature with power less than this creature's power. Very powerful effect. I'm a fan of it. And then chapter three. Angels you control gain double strike until end of turn. Now, Alex, I wanted to ask you about this card. Um, I I think this card's pretty cool um i it, it makes me interested in a uh, orzov uh, angels i like it i just don't think it's good and i'll i'll tell you why there's not a ton of three mana angels that you want to play right uh-huh. 
we talked about it like we've got like the valkyrie now that's pretty good and like the sort of life game theme but, but wait but alex you can play the three mana starheim unleash after you foretell for a four four on turn three another four four on turn four and then like a lyra on turn five yeah if your opponent like never interacts with you that's pretty good yes you're going against a lot of red <laughs> but here's the, here's the here's the problem i have like evaluating this card because it's a four drop and because of the speed of the format I consider like this four drop you're playing it on curve uh-huh. like you can treat this four drop as if you're playing it on turn six and like by turn eight you get the double strike like that's not happening no I agree if you play this on turn four you get one angel they push it the rest of your card doesn't do anything because the second chapter doesn't work because you no longer have an angel and then you're gonna like play one more angel and that's gonna get double striked for a turn hooray yes but th- that's kind of the problem I have with this it's cool I, I really like it. But I think even in Angel Tribal, this isn't good enough because of how slow it is. What if it was four chapters and chapters one and two were both created in Angel? That was kind of like History Banalia-ish. I mean, that would be bonkers. Yeah. But like, it could even just... I, I don't know how I would change it. I think the card's just fine as it is. Mm-hmm. Like Because a card that... I mean, this card is inherently like super powerful, right? It gives you a Sarah Angel. Then you can... Swing with your Sarah Angel and tap it to destroy a creature. And next turn, you swing for eight with your Sarah Angel. Like, that is not a card you can make three mana because it'd be stupid. I agree. So, because you're paying three mana for a 4 4 Flying Vigilance already, like, then it doesn't matter that they, like, the rest of your saga wouldn't do anything. Like, yeah, my three drop eight removal, that happens. But I feel like the opportunity cost for this is too high and the potential to be blown out is off the charts. But I could see this maybe even like a, a one-off, one-off, two-off if you have like a solid angel deck and it's like sometimes you draw this and it like breaks board stalls and it's the stone cold nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... You play the angel mirror and you play this first and then your angels can kill their angels and the second chapter doesn't do anything. You love to see it. <laughs> there is another card I would like to talk about. Now, people's worry, and I actually will later this week put up this post again. We talked about about two weeks ago, the Reddit post I made. Asking the community, hey, what do you think is the most likely to have the biggest impact on the Pioneer format out of all the new mechanics? Boast, Fortel, Snow, or Runes? Snow was the winner, followed by Fortel, followed by Runes, and then Boast was last. People obviously had a little bit of a worry about Snow, you included, Alex, um, prior to the set coming out and prior to us seeing everything. Mm-hmm. And we were told that we were going to receive a Snow hate card. Well, our snow hate card is Radain, Radain, Radoon, hmm, words. I don't know how to pronounce this, to be honest, in, in the actual thematic of Kaldheim. I'd say like Redon. Sure. God of the Worthy, a three-mana legendary creature god with flying and vigilance for a 2-3. Snow lands your opponent control, enter the battlefield tapped. Non-creature spells your opponents. Con- uh, I'm sorry. Non-creature spells your opponents cast with converted mana cost four or greater. Cost two more to cast. And then on the backside, because <clears throat> all the gods have an artifact on the back, you get Valkmira Protector's Shield, three and a white for a legendary artifact. If a source an opponent controls would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent one of that damage. Whenever you or another permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or an ability an opponent controls counter that spell or ability unless it's a controller play uh pays one both sides seem very narrow and overcosted to me yeah like this card like it it does a lot and it has a lot of text 
But at the end of the day, I think you're just paying too much for like it, it's not impactful enough. And I feel like when we when I think of proper snow hate, I think and I've heard more people talk about this, like I've seen Jim Davis talk a lot about it on Twitter and I think like Sephiroth Olive. I want a card that's already fine, already pretty good. And then it's great when you play against snow. Mm-hmm. I feel like this card is kind of bad and it's decent if you play against snow. And that's just that's just not good enough. This feels like a really pathetic attempt at Thalia. Where it's like, why you're not getting Thalia, here's your crappy replacement. I do not like the card. I don't like it. No, this is this is not the if this is the Snow Eight, like this ain't it, Chief. Yeah. Though I would say at least the snow cards and the snow payoffs don't seem incredible, for being honest. Yeah, at least for the sake of Pioneer, I don't see snow being like problematic i i i would have to have a really good look at the set because i haven't like had this thorough look at it and definitely when the spoilers like the full set drops that's where we can get the problematic snow cards where like i feel like scred for example we're not getting scred Mm -hmm. but like scred is like a problematic card in the sense that it really feels like every mono red deck should just run all snow mountains so it can run scred yeah and like because why wouldn't you and again, from the top of my head, I can't think of this of a card that really makes me think, yeah, yeah, you just swap all your basic for snow basics and run this card. And like, there's never a reason not to do it. I'm, I can't think of a card like that from the top of my head. And that was my main, that is still my main worry. Snow has to be a cost. I have one. What is it? I have one. If you're gonna, if you're, if you're the guy that's been trying to make Mono Blue Tempo work the entirety of Pioneer, then you jam Ascendant Spirit in your deck and you just make all your Islands Snowlands easy. Hot take: the card's not good. Like I think Ascendant Spirit's kind of cool. I mean, I've seen Twitter go berserk over it. So is it a hot take to think this card's not good? Is the take so hot that it stops being a snow card? I, I also don't think it's that good. Um, I saw some uh, comments about it in Spirits and Pioneer. I do not like it. Um, I think. I was actually talking with uh, Epic about this because he is a decent spirits player because that's what he won the most recent Pioneer Invitational with uh, for the server. And he was saying that he kind of likes it in spirits. And I was saying it just it does the opposite of what spirits does now. Spirits has flashy. But how how are you going to get your snow? How are you going to get your snow mana? Yeah, that... Spirits runs like two basics. Are you going to put like tapped duels in your deck to make your one mana one one work? Yeah. Which you can't even play on turn one because all your lands come in tapped. And I was saying, even if you have the perfect mana to make this work, what do you do? You drop it on turn one and then turn two, you pump it. Turn three, you pump it again. Turn four, you pump it again. Um, which completely derails the entirety of what snow or what uh spirits wants to do anyway it takes away from the game plan um and if you don't do that you just have a one one spirit that doesn't even fly this is like you're more like your your delver of secrets which is like a super insult to delver of secrets but like you play like this weird mono blue tempo deck with with snow and this is like the card you play on turn one because the effect is not at sorcery speed, right? And this is the card you play on turn one. Uh-huh. And whenever you have mana left, you like pump it into this. But you make a turn one play when you can afford to lose the tempo. And then this card just sticks. Mm-hmm. That, again, like comparing it to Delver is actually kind of an insult. This is not Delver of Secrets. You can attempt to build a deck around it, but just play it with Terramander. 
which is actually like a reasonable comparison to Delver of Secrets for like the sake of Pioneer. Yeah. This card is not. This is not Delver. It's not even Terramander. And it, I would see it in that type of deck. Well, speaking of spirits, there's another one that we can go over that's next in our list. Usher of the Fallen. Now, Alex, what does this one do? Usher of the Fallen is one white for a 2-1 Spirit Warrior. And it has boast, one and a white. Create a 1-1 white human warrior creature token. Now, for people who have, uh, for the few people who follow me on Twitter, I posted this card and I put with it, I always have this strange love for white one mana two ones with upside. I don't know what it is, but even like playing humans, I don't know, it makes me feel good playing them. It's like, it's a good clock, it's efficient, it gets down early and it does extra things. I don't even know where this card goes, because I still don't see Warriors working, because sadly, I don't think the Warrior support has been good enough this set. Though there are some. Uh, quick shout-out to card next to it, Beskir Shieldmate. Two mana for a 2-1 Human Warrior, and when it dies, you get a Warrior token. It's kind of cool. Uh, but overall, I don't really think Warriors got enough. And then I'm thinking, where does this go? Like, it doesn't go into Humans, because it's not a Human. Um... But I do like the card. Yeah. It really curves well with itself, too. Play this on turn one, attack on turn two, boast it, and it's like building this board off of just playing this one drop, which I think is cool. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of cool. Um, Would be kind of cool if the warrior was tapped at attacking. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean... That would make it, like, kind of aggro. It is in that awkward spot of, like, it doesn't fit enough with warriors. Um, there's not enough warrior support like around it right now, at least in Pioneer, which we expected to have it in this uh, this set, but we got Berserkers instead. Yeah. Um, which our next card will actually be a Berserker, but one moment. And uh, it doesn't really work in Spirits uh, very well because it has no evasiveness. There's no flying. It doesn't fly. So it, it, it kind of defeats the purpose of Spirits in that way. So I'm not really sure on what to make of this card uh, overall. I think it's cool. Um, it, it's a one mana, two, one. We, we love those. But uh, yes, I just this I I'll put it this way: will not be surprised at all when I eventually see this card in a five O list on Goldfish. I could see this just in a white weenie list. Like I'm thinking humans, spirits, warriors. Maybe you just play straight white weenie. Is Mentor of the Meek legal? Mentor of Pioneer? the Meek. I'm trying to think. Maybe I'm not sure. It's uh, I'm thinking it's Pioneer even on Gatherer yet. Yes, it is. It is legal, because it was printed... Oh, yeah, it was reprinted in uh, M19. Well, that's right. Yeah, you're right. So, like, you could just play, like, the old school... Was it Craig Wesco who always played White Weenie? There was this one player who was really known for playing White Weenie, and his name slips me, slips uh, my mind. But, like, maybe White Weenie? Again, I love my 1-mana 2-1s. Uh, if I see decklists that contain, like, 16 1-mana 2-1s, even though I always play Control, I look at that, and I'm like, yeah, that's my type of magic. <laughs> for some reason. I hardly ever play it, but it's always really like, yeah, that's magic. You do like uh, Ross Merriam's Orzhov Humans deck, so... Yes. And maybe the simplicity just takes... Me, I And that's not trying to crap on people who play these decks, because in practice, they're not as simple. But just the simplicity of, like, cheap, easy creatures, a lot of redundancy in your deck can just be, like, very nice to play. You know, I play Orzhov Humans, I open a hand with, like, three lands and four one-mana two-ones, and it's like... Yeah. All I have to do is decide what order I'm playing them. Now... Right. <laughs> Sequencing can be hard, but that's why we always say math is for the blockers. Just swing in. 
which I'm terrible at, by the way, because sequencing is hard. But Exactly. Now, speaking of things dying under your control, we have Skemfar Avenger, which is <laughs> one in a black for an elf berserker, three power, one toughness. Whenever another non-token elf or berserker you control dies, you draw a card and you lose one life. Um, unfortunately, this does not count itself like uh, Midnight Reaper does and things like that. So it kind of sucks. Like you don't. It's weird that this card initially confuses me because it's like, hey, you want to be aggressive with this card based on its stats alone, right? It's a three one for two. But then its ability says stay back. Don't swing with it <laughs> because <laughs> Very it, it doesn't count itself. It should just say whenever a non-token elf or berserker control dies, it should count itself. I don't see why it doesn't. I was thinking the same too, but then I realized because because I was initially thinking like, hey, you play this in an elf deck, right? Or in a berserker deck. Uh-huh. So I feel like you deserve a better Midnight Reaper because Midnight Reaper is generic and this card is based on a tribe. But then I realized, but if this is just a two-mana 3-1 that draws you a card when it dies, you just don't care about the rest of the text. And it just becomes like a kind of ridiculous card for an aggro deck. Like a two-mana two three-power card that draw that replaces itself when it dies is kind of dumb. Yeah. Oh, Mono Black would just might use this. Yeah, but they could have very easily solved this by it because... This, this is going to sound that like the card is very wordy, but we're used to green cards, and there's plenty of text left on this box. Uh, plenty of te- uh, pl- mm-hmm. space left in this text box. They could have just said, like, if it dies, if you control another elf, draw a card. Yeah, if it just said... Um... So it could have still like had like this idea that it's a better Midnight Reaper because you're playing a tribe, but it doesn't work outside the tribe. Uh-huh. But this card is still reasonable, right? We're talking about how this card could be better, and I think it could be better. It would have been fine if it was better. But I still kind of like this card. And I'm going to add this to cards that will cause me to cast Coco into board wipes. Like, I've, I've already done it with elves, where I like my only card in my hand is a Coco. I have like five elves, my opponent's at five, and they try and sweep me. And I'm like, if I hit a Shaman of the pack, I win with this sweeper on the stack. If I don't, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot. How often do you look like an idiot? Oh, I, I, I think I. I think I have gotten that down pretty well to like knowing when I kind of just start doing the math, right? And if my opponent's at five, I have to think like, what is the odds of hitting a shaman versus just letting the sweeper resolve and then hitting five power worth of creatures? Yeah. But sometimes you can also think like you cast it into the cocoa and your opponent's like, this guy is an idiot. This sweeper is still on the stack. And then they let it resolve. Generally, cocos never resolve. But again, like, this card is decent, right? It's board wipe protection in a way. It draws attention to itself mm-hmm. to make you not draw a card, which is still pretty good, right? If you have like some sort of lord on the field or or even just a mana elf when you're kind of short on mana, it's kind of nice that this card just draws attention to itself too. Uh, I've actually uh, been working... Well, I've t- today I, man- I sort of finished up my Kaldheim Brew for Elves, which I'm going to try. And I've replaced a lot of the card advantage cards like Lead the Stampede and some of those cards, maybe like an Elvish Visionary, which is kind of nice, but it is a little bit small. I think I cut one of those with mainly the card advantage cards from uh, this set. So we've got this one, we've got the King, which is sort of like yeah. um, Goblin Ringleader, but you only get to pick one, uh, Realm Walker. Um, to just have a super high density of creatures in my deck. And this one 
helps with that. Like, it's nice to have this card advantage to play this attrition game, uh, and also punishes these decks that like solely rely on sweepers. Again, like an Omnath style deck or something. That's just like I'm just going to sweep you, and I'm just not going to do anything else. I yeah, I, I think this is going to be kind of cool in a in your elves deck. I don't know. I don't play elves. I I, I but I can tell based on watching it. I don't know if this card is good enough, but I think it's worth trying. It's good enough that it warrants trying. Yeah. And I haven't had that with some of the other cards. We're kind of, I, I, I don't know. I can already tell this is, which I know that's probably a bad thing to do, but sometimes you look at a card and it's like, I can already tell this is kind of bad. Mm. And with this card, I look at it and it's like, this card could actually be really good. Yeah. It could actually be a really nice fit. You know, sometimes it's just like this perfect fit and you like, it gives your deck something you didn't know you needed. And that might be this card. You know what card you can uh, jam into your elves deck, Alex? Well? You're going to jam in Battle Mammoth. I said the Fortel. Yeah, that's the Fortel. Yeah. Now, imagine a world where you get to drop this 6-5 trample whenever a permanent control becomes the target of a spell or an ability in opponent controls. You may draw a card on turn three. And then they kill it and you draw a card. Yay. Replaces itself. <laughs> Cost you two turns. Had you play an had you have a draw with an elf on turn one? Yes. Yeah, this is this is assuming you uh you have the elf on turn one. <laughs> I, I yeah, I think it's funny. I I'll play Steel Leaf Champion, but it feels so bad that you get this card right after we get Elder Gargaroth and you're like No! No, as someone who doesn't play these type of big, dumb green decks, it doesn't feel bad, Brad. It feels great. <laughs> After all these stupid, mythic four and five green drops with like a half a book written on them, it's very nice to finally see one and be like, hey, this isn't stupid. Well, the, the troll for three is kind of I, stupid. I could, you know, kind of, but not, not that bad. But like the mythic, it's like, hey, this doesn't like... You know, I can I can keep this alive for a turn, and I don't like immediately lose the game. Great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The only green deck I play is Elf, so the moment it's not an Elf, I don't care. Anger, <laughs> anger for the green boys. What do you mean anger for? You've got Elder Gargoth and Questing Beast. What else do you want? Do you want Elder Questing Beast, which is just both? I want one mana Ronus. Thank you very much. Like, what? What? what's next for a green card? I think we've made this joke before. Just going to have a link to a website on it. Yeah. And it just downloads a PDF. That's like, here's what the card does. Make sure to print this if you go to a tournament, in case you don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> but we're just talking about cards with Steel... Uh, I just mentioned Steel Leaf Champion. Speaking of cards that kill Steel Leaf Champion very efficiently, it's Tundra Fumarole. It's one red-red... For a snow sorcery, really cool art by the way, Tundra Fumarole deals 4 damage to target creature or planeswalker. Add colorless for each snow you spend to cast this spell until end of turn. You don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. So you could potentially, because remember it adds colorless, it, it, it shows two different symbols which might be a little bit confusing. It says add colorless for each snow, but the colorless you get is also snow. Uh-huh. Because this is a snow sorcery. So it the, the the colorless mana it gives you is actually snow mana. And so you can make like your faceless haven into a creature or something. Uh yeah. Yeah. Or uh, upgrade your uh, spirit, I guess. I don't know why you're playing is it snow, but yeah. I, I guess you could. <laughs> in the blue spirit. If if you're able to use this colorless mana in a good way, this is pretty good. You can get like a zero mana 
deal four to a creature or a planeswalker, which is just good tempo. It's really hard to evaluate because I agree. Like, so one of the decks that I brewed up for our little um, little play test session later in the week is uh, Rakdos Control um, with the new uh, Tybalt and uh, Valky thing. Go, really? I'm going to play Elves and Dwarfs, and you bring in Rakdos Control and Blue White Control and Teamer Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Uro, of course. Well, I, I'm only I'm 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 only gonna run two copies of Uro in the Giants deck. Okay. You wait for Goldspan Dragon to sweep you. Okay. Well, I'm gonna tell you. No, no. List of things that aren't gonna happen. All three. <laughs> I feel so bad now that I think about it. All three decks run three mana sweepers. <laughs> Which and I'm playing, and two of my decks are tribal decks that almost never get their creatures above three toughness. <laughs> oh, this is not going to end well. Wish me luck on the Cocos, boys. <laughs> I'm going to need some really good collected companies for Friday. <laughs> so the um, the Rakdos control deck has a slight sub theme for snow. So the Rakdos deck that I put together has a sub theme for snow, and I briefly looked at this card and I was like, hmm, maybe. But then I thought about it and I was like, well, in the three mana slot, I have Anger of the Gods. I have Bedevil. It's already color intensive, isn't it? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm just gonna run the other stuff. Like I don't you don't need this. I already have the spot removals better. I'd rather have just straight up kill it rather than be like, oh, I deal four damage. Um so in that deck, I don't think it's gonna work. Um it, it, to me it it kind of feels like this isn't like a three drop. And that makes it so you don't play a lot of because using three colorless mana is really hard. Like almost impossible. Yeah. Um I so this is more like a turn three or five play. Let's say you're playing like mono red snow stuff. Ooh. And on turn five, you cast this, get your mana back, and cast a gold span dragon. Right? Or or even just do this, deal damage four damage to something, get your three mana back. Play a Glorybringer, swing, exert, do four damage to something else. Could you see this card in the big red deck that goes like Ugin, Big Chandra and stuff? Yeah, I could. Because that's... That deck's probably... I mean, it's like an Ironcrack feet deck. Yeah. Which makes it a little bit hard. Uh, works like your Vesival. The, the thing that I'm thinking of, it's like, because it make, gives you colorless mana, what like about like big Eldrazi snow? Like, what if you put like this... And Glory Bringer and Reality Smasher and Thought Not Seer and Reality Sh- Mana Reshaper uh-huh. and like some other cards in one deck. Because on turn three, like Reality Shaper is kind of memed about for like how bad it is in Eldrazi Tron. It's still one of my favorite like things with Patrick Sullivan, where someone assembles Tron on turn three in Modern, taps out and plays two Reality Shapers, and he just loses it. Right? But it's like nice three mana three twos in Modern. But if you go turn three, kill your biggest creature play a mana reshaper that's pretty decent right yeah that that seems like a good tempo play turn four like kill your thing thought not here and this just giving you the colorless mana to make that work the only problem i could there's not many color actually there's one colorless snow source i know of i don't know how many there are i know there's at least one with faceless haven uh-huh i don't know if there's more that enter untapped i'm I'm really picky about lands. I really hate tap lands in almost every sense, except if they're like triomes because they really work in three color decks. But like all those, the the whole like gru- the whole like guild land cycle that all enter tapped, almost all of them are bad, except if they go in like heavy control decks. That's my my take on all of those. Yeah, because I just don't like tap lands. 
The only good one is Gate of Istvelm, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, trying to quickly have a look with some other lands, but I don't think there are. We have all the gates, right? We got all of them? I think we do, yeah. But they, I, I'm not a big fan of them. Some of them are okay. I just really think that like tap, like a tapped monocolored source that isn't even the basic land type just doesn't really cut it most of the time. Especially just since we've gotten the castles, and the castles are so good. I feel like if you're playing any black deck, I would almost always run a Castle Lockthwain before I run any of those. But once you're running four Castle Lockthwain, these cards become kind of bad because if you get hands with like a hull and a Castle Lockthwain, that hand is a mulligan. Yeah. So the tax on those cards has really gone up. Especially if you play if you're playing three colors, literally unplayable. Uh, if you're playing one monocolored, you're probably a fast deck, and they don't want to tap lands. And I think kind of the same goes if you're a dual, co- if you're a two color deck. Generally, the the juice is not worth the squeeze, as they say. Just like runes. Yes, which we might touch on those depressing cards a little bit later. So, any final comments on? Um, I just lost the card. The snow fumarole, tundra fumarole. Before we move on, Brad. Nope. It's just uh it could have a home somewhere, but it's uh it's a bit more niche than it seems like it on paper. Yeah. So talking about the guild land that I think is actually pretty good, which is why I wanted to touch on this one in specific to sort of represent uh the good card in the cycle. Uh Gates of Istfel is a land. It enters the battlefield tapped and adds a white. And you can pay two white blue blue. Tap, sacrifice Gates of Istfel, you gain two life and draw two cards. So, six mana, draw two, gain two, but it's on a tapped land, as like a bonus. The, the only reason I think this is pretty good, because it works in blue-white control. This is a card I can very easily see, like, be like a one or two off. Especially so people... Please, now that this card is out, people cut seek. Cut Seagate Restoration from your blue-white control deck. Please, the card is shit. <laughs> Just play this. <laughs> I would rather play Emiria's Call if we're going to play any of the Boltlands. Probably, but I would play this over Emiria's Call. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think all these uh, all these cards are pretty cool. Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the Rakdos one. Is that the one where your opponent discards a card and they take three? Yeah, uh, the Rakdos one is the same thing. Yeah, but that one only costs like four to activate, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. So that's a little better because it's cheap. Sacrifice Immersum Skullcairn. Skull. It's blurry. Skullcairn. Karn. Karn. Uh, that yeah. Sacrifice it. It deals three damage to target player. That player discards a card. Activate this only as a sorcery. Um, there's some other ones. Where are the other ones? Immersturm Skullkern just sounds like they forgot to translate it from German. Probably. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. There's the Great Hall of Sternheim, uh, which is uh, the Orzov one. And battle tapped. Taps for red, uh, red. Good God. Taps for black. And you can pay double white and black, tap it, sacrifice Great Hall of Berberber, and a creature you control. And you make a Sarah's Angel. Yeah, but here's the thing that I only just realized, which also makes a huge difference. Uh, aside from Gates of Istfel, they're all restricted to sorcery speed, I believe. Oh, the the Gruul one isn't, but it's six and tap to destroy a land and make a 4-4, which what Gruul deck wants that. And 
we're playing Ponza in uh, Pioneer, Alex. Don't you understand? Yeah, and you really wish to play a tapped land to Stone Rain a turn later. Um, no, but Gate of Istfel for some reason isn't restricted to sorcery speed, which makes it way. That's literally just made for blue white, right? They were testing it, and this is probably how it went. They were testing it, and they just like never thought like, yeah, I never want to use this because I don't want to risk tapping out. So they played like fifty games. No, they they don't have that much time. <laughs> they to play played two. They games. played five games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they were like, "Man, in both of these games, I was really anxious about cracking it in my main phase." And like, you know what? Take it off. <laughs> and then they were like, "Oh, but now we need to. Now we need to do it for the other ones because because the Golgarion. Uh, you know what? The Gruul wants shit. Let's just take the restriction off there too. The, the Golgari one is also pretty shit. I don't know why they did, they made that one restricted to a sorcery. You gonna put that in your Golgari Elves deck, Alex? Uh, I mean, giving us something minus two, minus two. Don't no do no do not even try to tell me this is playable. No, because if near Deadlands exists. And nice, you get a one-one. But if near Deadlands enters untapped, yes, which again, <laughs> that's the whole better. difference. <laughs> <laughs> if this came in untapped, I'd be like, okay, maybe. But generally, if there's like if there's like removal stapled onto a land, I can think like ah, that's also if near if near Deadlands doesn't cost five mana to activate, it's four, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's still a lot. Yeah, but that's... To effectively disfigure a creature. Good for you. You, you're. But the, those are counters. They actually shrink the creature. Yeah, but you're also naming another card that just doesn't see play in Pioneer. Yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> gives a shit about this garbage. The art's fantastic. I feel like the, the art's wasted. It makes me so sad when I see art on cards and I'm like, damn, that's good. God, this card's so bad. I'm never going to play it. Yeah. I'll never appreciate this art. Um, side note, speaking of art, does uh, the Revitalize art look like the uh, Promethean from Halo 4 to you? I have not played Halo 4. I'm just going to send you a picture of it real quick. <laughs> real quick. I owned a PlayStation. I didn't play Halo. How dare you? I got to play Ratchet and Clank. There she is. So, no, I've heard Halo was very good. I've just never played it. Ratchet and Clank like stopped being good after like the fourth one. Oh, but the fourth one, uh, Gladiator. That was probably my. That's one of my favorite PlayStation games of all time. Like Ratchet and Clank Gladiator is unbelievably good. I like the second one the most, but I did enjoy Up Your Arsenal. <laughs> I love the titles they gave them. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank was a really good series. I agree. Uh, where is she? I played the most out of three because of that multiplayer. So played it with friends. There you go. Here's a picture of the librarian from uh, from Halo Four. I see what you mean immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I recommend everyone Google the librarian character from Halo 4 and look at the card Revitalize. It's a reprint, obviously. And uh, yeah, that's all I can see. Feels like she does not belong on Kaldheim. No, not a bit off theme, isn't it? But the teeny tiny bit. But we have some other cards. You want to talk about Nico Defies Destiny, which is conveniently located right next to Gates of Itzfell. Hey, you'd almost think it might go in the same deck. Um, Perhaps. If Nico Defies Destiny would work, it's probably... An, I'm not sure, actually. But anyway, Nico Defies Destiny is one white and a blue for a saga. Chapter one, you gain two life for each foretold card you own in exile. You know, that, that's the white part of the card that draws you cards. Uh, gains you life, sorry. Now we get to the good part, which is all blue. Um, no, it's actually... Actually, the last part's probably white. Anyway, add white and a blue 
spend this mana only to cast foretell cards or cast spells that have foretell. Uh, return target card with foretell from your graveyard to your hand. So this is obviously really goes well with foretell cards because that's all it synergizes with. Uh-huh. But it is pretty good at what it does, right? If there is a card with, if there's a deck with a reasonable amount of foretell cards, this is like really nice. Like imagine going, and this this is gonna <laughs> you go turn two foretell a card, turn three, I don't know, like foretell a card in place of the cheap. Uh huh. And you just on turn and on turn four foretell two cards, and your opponent's like, oh, I'm beating you down. And it's like, uh huh. On turn five foretell a card, play this, gain eight. No, you're foretelling way too many cards then. But like, it, it's it's the locker worm. It's nice to it's nice for a way to catch up with that lost tempo because lost tempo is probably going to translate to lost life, right? Later in the game, mm-hmm. if you are giving your opponent one or two extra turns to like chip in with their one and two drops that you haven't interacted with, you're probably going to be in a pretty reasonable low life total by the time you stabilize. And then play this. Actually, just like get the four life or something. That's fine, right? And then after the second time, you get two mana, which means you've effectively only paid one mana for this. And on the third chapter, you just get a card with foretell back, which could be your sweeper or a draw spell or a removal spell. But it's probably going to be the sweeper because the card's stupid. All right. Well, let's not spoil the spoiler too early now, Alex. That's our last card on the list. The white sweeper is unbelievably good, and we'll talk about it later. It's it's very, very good. Holy shit. <laughs> but speaking of, we'll talk about Nico Def- Defies Destiny. I have two comments to make. First, we'll start from a gameplay perspective because that's the more important thing, right? I'm going to go ahead and say this is not even standard playable. That is how low I am on this card. Um, I think it just seems so awkward. Like, the only way this could be playable? Uh, I don't know. It's just, it it throws off, I guess. This card is good because the sweeper is good. I don't like it. Like, if the sweeper if the sweeper didn't exist, this card's trash. I don't know if it's good. Yeah. But it was a lot of value. It's only one mana at the end. You've only paid one mana. It's just, it's so confusing and hard to evaluate in the sense that, like, it just, it, it's making all of my internal alarms go off, being like, this just doesn't do what you want it to do. And it feels like it throws off your tempo in a way in the, in the Fortel. And Fortel is all about maintaining tempo and having this flexibility, especially in the control shell. Like, we we're talking about with the package and stuff. And it's just so weird to me that this fits. Like, I, I see what it's doing, I understand. But at the same time, it's just like it's doing it in a way that seems to go backwards with what Fortel wants to do. And it I would rather just Fortel more cards like than play this. That's where I'm at on it. Now, ignoring the gameplay perspective, the flavor sucks. <laughs> the flavor is garbage. The name of the card is Nico Defies Destiny, correct? That's the name of the card, right? And then it all does with foretell cards, which is foretelling the future. It is the destiny. It's following <laughs> what happens. So this dude's literally saying, nah, f*** you. I'm going to do what I want. And then he's like, well, actually, on second thought. As, as was foretold. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> like, I think the flavor is garbage. As was foretold, you were not going to do what was foretold. Yeah, it's it's it creates a paradox in the own, in its own card. In the simple three word, the flavor's stupid. <laughs> I didn't even consider that, but you are right. It's really bad. He defies destiny by doing what he's told. 
There you go. Good job. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of you, Nico. I mean, I I like Nico as a character based on what I've read on him or read on them. I apologize. Actually, I do not know most of. Maybe, maybe Brad. Maybe Nico's destiny was to like exceed, like do all this crazy stuff. But instead, Nico is just gonna like do what they're told, which means they defy destiny. So Nico is Gohan. Like they were like. Like they were like destined for greatness, and they could like to leave Kaldheim. And Nico's like, "Nah, I'm good here," and just, <laughs> just stays. Yeah, you you just described Gohan. Who is Gohan from Dragon Ball? I have never watched. Actually, I have watched Dragon Ball Z for ten minutes, and a friend of mine showed me a video of like this dude going like extra Super Saiyan, like level one billion or something. It was a ten minute video. <laughs> And it was nine minutes of him screaming. Yes. And one minute of people commenting on the fact that he was screaming. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit I have seen in my life. And I've never watched it since. I think they picked like the worst time, the, like the worst video to show me to get like, oh, look at how cool Dragon Ball is. Ah, for like 10 minutes. I was like, the problem that Dragon Ball had, and this is a problem that a lot of anime has. So I said the guy took like a violent shit. <laughs> so obviously all anime is, well, let me rephrase, the majority of anime is based off of a manga, right? So what happens is when you have the anime being made, they're usually in line or like they're catching up to where the manga is at. Sometimes, and it's pretty common for this to happen, where you have the animes being producted, uh, produced and um, the manga, whoever the, the writer is, the artist or whatever, uh, kind of falls behind, a la George R. R. Martin in Game of Thrones. And they chose to literally fill it up with more screaming. Yes, they... they... Quick, buy time. This five-minute screaming is now ten minutes. Exactly, that's literally what happened. That's how you get filler episodes. <laughs> like, um... Bleach, the entire vampire sub thing for Bleach, that entire arc does not exist in the manga. It is 100% filler that they did for literally like 40 episodes of filler. They made up an arc because they're like, shit, he stopped writing. How are we going to, how do we progress these characters? Vampires. And you're like, excuse me? And if you've ever watched Bleach, (laughs) you understand how far out of left field that came. It's like, what is going on? Why are there vampire things now? Well, they're just, they're just there. They're doing it. Okay, cool. So uh, yeah, Nico is Gohan. Um, for those of you who watch Dragon Ball, I think you understand what I mean when Alex says that he's destined for these great, amazing things, and he's like, you know what? I'm good. The stay-at-home life feels pretty nice to me. It's literally what Gohan did. <laughs> Moving on to the next card, also being an Azorius saga, and I just made a joke where it's like, oh, this chapter one is the white one, now it becomes a good card. When we go to the blue, that was actually meant for this card, but I messed up. Uh, The Raven's Warning is a saga, one blue and a white. Chapter one, create a 1-1 blue bird token with flying. You gain two life. There you go. Chapter two, whenever one or more creatures you control with flying do combat damage to a player this turn, look at that player's hand and draw a card. Okay. Third one, you may put a card you own from outside the game on top of your library. It's pretty good. That's a lot of value for a three drop. Yeah. And again, you get a 1-1 bird, which is something blue can do. Then you gain two life, which is something white. Then you peek, which at your opponent's hand, which is a blue card. And the third one is fail of wishes, which is a blue card. Well done, white. You contributed. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. You did absolutely nothing. <laughs> 
It's it's like the magician meme from Sailor Moon. <laughs> I've like, done my, my job, <laughs> but you didn't do anything. Bye bye. <laughs> this card's cool. This is one of my favorite cards in the set. The art is phenomenal. Unreal. I think it's my favorite art in the entire set as well. Um, it's up there. It's really good. Yeah this this card is super cool. Blue white flyers. I think it can definitely do something. Uh this the only problem I really have with this. Yeah, uh, this makes Watcher of the Spheres pretty cool. What card from outside the game are you tutoring into your deck if you're playing blue white flyers? It's like ah, I'm gonna put one Imperial Eagle in my sideboard. Uh, you could put Safara there. That's what I was thinking. The the really big angel lady. And if your and if your board state is good, you're like yoink taking that. Yeah. And otherwise, you're just grabbing a sideboard card, or you just don't. Right? It says you may. And chapter one and two are actually pretty good already. Yeah. Now, chapter one's not that great because you make a flyer, but it makes chapter two work. Yeah, this, this is the big brain, okay? It's what you do. You play this on turn three, right? And then on turn uh, six, when you get your third chapter, right? Oh, no, turn five. Um, you have a Karn wishboard created. And you wish for Karn. No Karns. Exactly. <laughs> no Karns in the main. You, you grab your Karn. <laughs> Or or another big brain one. You play you you put one Gaia's blessing in your sideboard, and you play against Mill. You put this on top of your deck, and you crack a Fable Passage, and now you're protected against Mill. Hooray! <laughs> For the three people, there's one guy on this Discord who plays it a lot, right? Yeah, and there's another guy that also plays like uh, eight rack or whatever. And then whenever I play against them, and I you know I like to play. I have lost to that guy a lot. I have too, but like. When he loses to me and I'm playing a card that's remotely good, he just gets really salty that I'm playing a card that's good, like Uro or Omnath or things like that. And I get it. They're annoying and they're pushed as hell. But like, dude, you just made me discard my hand for 50 minutes. Come on. This isn't exactly the most fun <laughs> time I'm having either. Now, Sergio, I love you with all my heart. I'm just harping on you because I know he listens to the cast. But I am going to give you shit for that too. We're both we're we're both not having the best time in our games. Let's <laughs> let's just not be salty about things. I'll gladly. Eight wreck is just is isn't eight wreck the definition of like fun is a zero sum game. Yeah, where it's like if nobody's having fun, eight wreck is doing what it's doing. No, like I just it it really depends. Like if I play against control, eight wreck just destroys me. And if I play like elves and I poop out my hand on turn two, it's like oh no, a discard spell. <laughs> so, oh no a rat dropped down Ooh. and then he plays Bontu's Last Reckoning and I'm like what? why are you why? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, let's see so we have another card Bertigy yes moving on moving on to the next commander stable no which is actually also a good card for um, this is spoiled on the uh, 18th all the way at the bottom this was a funny one because there was some, went something wrong with the spoiler because the person nice. who was sent the spoiler was only sent the back half so he didn't know what the front did but I'll read out uh, Bergy, God of Storytelling. Someone alter this and make it Fergie from the back piece. But um, God of Storytelling. Two and a red for a 3-3 three, three god. This card's nuts. Whenever you cast a spell... Oh, no, wait. Let's read the, the best part out first, Brad. Creatures you control can boast twice. <sighs> I'm not going to lie. I have read this card five or six times, and I'm just now realizing that's even on the card. <laughs> I I have stopped. I have stopped at the first line every single time, and immediately went like, "What does Hardfell do?" Whenever you cast a spell, add red until end of turn. You don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. Zero. Ma 
Holy shit, I, I still can't believe this thing doubles your boasts. I, I'm still actually shocked by that. <laughs> because it's that good, Brad. Like, I'm reading it again. I'm like, how did I not... How did I miss this? I've read it so many times. I just keep going like, yes, this first line is all I need to know. I don't know if it storms hard enough. Oh, let's read the back quickly. Yeah. Uh, Harnfeld, Horn of Bounty, uh, four and a red, legendary artifact, and that's just one activated ability. Discard a card. Excel the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. So, and it even synergizes front and back, right? Very good effect. Like you again, you could just storm off with this card. Yeah. Now I don't know if Pioneer has the means to do it, but the first thing, I, well, not the first thing, but I was, um, today I was just suddenly got this thought in my head. It's like, what if you run? I think it's Foundry Inspector, which is from Kaladesh to three mana three two, that makes all your artifacts cost one less. And you start playing this and the Foundry Inspector and all the cantripping artifacts. All your sleeping darts, prophetic prism, spare supplies, all those cards. Golden eggs. And because of Harnfell, right, you want Bergy in that deck, but you also want Harnfell in the deck. Because that means you can just storm off like crazy and eventually, like, mox ambers, that sort of thing, and just find, like, an Aetherflux Reservoir. Now, again, this is a rough thought in my head, but it's just like, this card... For building a combo, it does both, right? You get all the mana that you need to combo, or you can get all the cards you need to combo. Mm-hmm. It just it does the whole thing with both sides, which is just really nice. Now, I don't know if this is good enough, but you could build some wacky storm deck with this, I'm sure. Yeah, I don't think this is constructed playable in both Standard and Pioneer. Um, it's against the odds playable. Yeah. Right? It's cool. It's really cool. Um, I think Commander discards. Off the- yeah, this is the epitome of like, hey, we understand here at Wizards that um, Commander is the most played format. So, uh, kill on sight. Just a tip for your Commander deck: someone casts Bergy, you drop everything you're doing, and you kill it, and then you continue playing your game. Because if they untap, you're dead. Most likely. And if they have like eight mana, wait till eight mana, and they play this, you're dead. Right, if the deck's built now to storm off with it. This is not a card that they can play, but I'm reading it for the first time because you had it on your list, and I very much glanced over it. I guess, uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, Fergalicious over there? Uh, no, I'm I'm probably going to at one point, maybe before Friday, I'll get the chance to brew, but probably not. I'm going to build some stupid storm deck with this just to try, just to see if I can break this. I don't think you can, but... I wonder if you could put this in your... In the dragon deck. Yeah. I don't think it works for the dragon deck because the dragon is already what gives you the mana, and the dragon is also the thing that's going to kill your opponent. Bergy's cool. Um, building Wacky Storm with it, definitely buying this for my Circa or ADH deck. Bergalicious. Because that is literally a... I mean, I wouldn't say it's Storm because it's definitely built to brick, like kind of on purpose. Like There's very few cards that make it so the deck doesn't brick because I didn't want to build actual, like, Infinite Storm. And maybe this card just completely breaks that deck in half, and it just disresolves, and I just win. And then I should probably change the deck. But I should probably take it out. Yeah. But it's super cool. It got me super excited. I read this, especially because we first got the the horn spoiled, right? And a friend of mine sent me this. He's like, do you think that's good for your Sir Kara deck? It's like, nah, I don't think it is. And then, like, a minute later, he said, like, yeah, but this is the front, though. And I was like, holy shit, this card is good for my deck. (laughs) discard what I just said. This is probably the best card in the deck now. There is another card we're going to talk about. 
which I love this card reading it. It's the three seasons. It's a green and a blue, two mana. It's a saga. Chapter one, you get to mill three cards. Nice. Chapter two, return two snow permanents from your graveyard to your hand. Also nice. This can grab lands. So if you mill over some snow lands, you're like, I needed that. Thank you. Give it to me. Um, chapter three, choose three cards in each graveyard. Their owners, owners, yes, owners, owners. Shuffle those cards into their decks. Hey, cool. You run two of these. You can never deck. Yeah. Well, I suppose you can at one point if you get unlucky, but like. I like it. You know what? You know what I like, though? It's nice and grindy. Grindy, value-y. This should have, this should have had four chapters. What would the fourth chapter be? Oh, four seasons. Yeah, the fourth chapter would be, uh, uh, you know, host a presidential <laughs> speech or campaign. <laughs> this was the thing where they went to like the garden center, right? It was a literal landscaping company. They thought it was the Four Seasons Hotel. There was a mix-up, and they booked a thing at a, at a landscaping company, middle of Pennsylvania. All right, I need to, I need to tie this joke, but it probably has to be bleep, it probably has to be cut out. So you know that next to that landscape company, there was also there was a crematorium and a sex shop. On, on a sex shop, yeah. <laughs> Someone said Rudy Giuliani was between a cock and a chart place. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's beautiful i freaking roared that is poetry that. uh this card's cute it's gonna go on a snow deck i'm just so confused as what you do with a snow deck now because now it's in semic and it's just so weird this just again it just seems grindy to me you just, you just grind it. You just this is the type of card you just play. You just make all your land drops. Yeah, and a slow deck, and you do run a lot of snow basics, a lot of snow lands. You can even run some of the duels. And just you just run this and like some euros. If you just like churn through your deck, you just bury your opponent. Right, that's what this deck. That is that's a deck with the three seasons. You just you just bury your opponent. Yeah, and you just mill. You just shuffle in like bad cards in their deck, like cards they no longer want to draw. You just shuffling gas. And eventually, like your draws are just going to be better because you've set up your deck. You just go and go and go in the game, t- and game one takes fifty minutes, and then you win because you play a Thassa's Oracle after having one card in your deck. <laughs> Something like that. I don't like this. I don't like the idea of that anymore. <laughs> you don't like the idea of playing against that deck? No. You just play Rest of Peace. You win. Sure, they don't have a way to deal with it. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to play this. Let's. Let's not. We got this card on the list, and Brad's oh, it's pretty nifty, and now he's like, oh, I just... I just know. like the joke about the Four Seasons, okay? Oh. That's the one reason I like the card. <laughs> right, so let's end on the high note. Let's end on Doom Scar. It is by far the best card in the set, in the entire set. I'm First First reaction is yes. I would have to have a, a think, but probably probably I, I couldn't this is in my top five spoiler alert this, this is in my top five almost no matter what is in the rest of the set this is this is also in my top five no matter what this this should be in everyone's top five no matter what so doomscar five uh five mana three white white for a sorcery destroy all creatures okay cool foretell one white 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 can now sweep your board on turn three yeah no more getting under their sweeper. Yeah. That, that is no longer a thing. You cannot get under their sweeper anymore, which was already hard, but now you just can't. Like, if, if you play spirits, you, they literally might be quick enough that you don't even get to, like, spell queller their sweeper anymore. Mm-hmm. This card is stupid good. So, like, 
this card is very good. It's so good to where like, so I play four color uh, Reclamation that plays Omnath um, in Pioneer. And I skewed my mana base a little bit towards red to allow for a higher chance to play on turn three Anger the Gods that I main deck. Um, I, I got it up to like 87% chance of like being able to play Anger the Gods. This card existing made me feel like, well, do I want to go into white? I, I decided no, because you don't want to foretell on turn two because that's your turn to grow spiral and stuff like that. That that, that deck needs that too much. But like I, it made me consider it like it did. This card's so good. I just the, the tempo is great. The like, yeah, it's just just the tempo is so good. The fact that you can now the main thing for me is just like blue white control can now sweep on turn three. Yeah, I mean this is the first like Barbontus Last Reckoning, which is overall a really bad card uh, because it's not three mana; it's at least six mana. Just being able to sweep on have a full on sweeper on turn three is super good. Yeah, and the tempo right, it's it's much easier to even like wait for like turn five and just sweep this with like like a Dovin's Veto or an Essence Scatter as a backup. This is this is just super good. And just because of the tempo, right? It's very simple in design. And Supreme Verdict is rough competition. And I'm not saying like every blue-white control deck is gonna swap all their Supreme Verdicts for all Doomscars. Mm-hmm. But I would be surprised if Doomscar doesn't show up in these decks. I mean, I like this feels to me like a slam dunk where it's like this is going to see play almost like guaranteed. So I uh, I brewed together a blue white control deck that we alluded to earlier, and uh, I am opting to run three Doom Scar and one Supreme Verdict in the main. And I have two more Supreme Verdicts in the side. And I'm going to get swept on turn three. I'm also running the uh, what's it called? I am running the uh, little foretell package. So I have uh, uh, Saw It Coming and um, Behold the Multiverse. Uh, or whatever. How many digs are you running? Two. How many? How many observed a uh, multiverse? Two. Oh, okay. Okay. I can see that. And then three saw it coming. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. Saw it coming is replaced sensor for my list. That I also want to bring up. So, which I didn't harp on enough about. The idea with this control package, with these foretell cards, is that you foretell them early, and then for a low cost, you know, two or in this case three mana, you get to like cast one of these spells. Mm. your opponent has no clue what to play around because there's a good draw spell there's a good counter spell and there's a good sweeper which are like the three different things you play around Mm. when you play against a control deck like you know counter counter spells sweepers and draw spells removal spells too like maybe they're esper and they run poison a cup i doubt it but maybe but like those are the, the things you're playing around if you're playing against a control deck the thing is, you al- you already do that, right? So what's the difference? Well, the difference is, is that now if you're running into a sweeper, it's cheap enough that they can also still cast a spell afterwards. Right? That, that, that's the main difference. Or you, you've got the counter spell, and even like on turn five, right? They have, they have like a card foretold, and they play a three fairy, and they bounce something. Or are you going to play into the counter spell, or are you going to play into the draw spell? Because they, the the mana they have to keep open to have like a meaningful impact is much lower now. And especially, I think, because they already have two mana counter spells, but now like three mana sweeping. But even like on turn five, they can then like sweep you and still hold up a solid coming. 
but it, it comes together really well in that way because you've paid that cost up front you can now have like these giga powerful turns and if you're planning to sweep the board anyway skipping a turn or part of a turn isn't that big of a deal because you were going to sweep the board like yeah you can have your 2-2 for an extra turn who cares right i'm going to take two extra damage life is a resource i'm playing blue white control i hardly take damage from my mana base and that just comes together so well like this foretold foretell package is really like kind of like tailor-made to like function really well together and that's what i said all the way at the start, we talk about foretell cards. Like, foretell cards aren't going to be as good if there's only one good foretell card. Because your opponent foretells a card, and you know what it is. But there's two, three, four good foretell cards. So now, by foretelling a card, you're actually not giving away that much information. Whereas if there would, if you would only play Doomscar, yeah, you foretell a card, you're like, oh yeah, that's Doomscar, right? And your opponent is effectively giving you information by foretelling a card. Because you're like, yeah, I know they have a sweeper because they foretold it, and the only good foretell card is a sweeper. But because the good foretell card can be a sweeper, a draw spell, a counter spell, or a removal spell, they didn't actually give you any information because you're playing against control. Their hand is going to be filled with counter spells, draw spells, removal spells, and sweepers. It's great. Doomscar is fantastic. And the fact that and this is with a lot of those foretell cards, right? If you don't foretell it, it's still five mana, yeah. which is fine, right? Seen it coming, if you don't foretell it, it's cancel. I think the card cancel gets too much crap, by the way. Like, I don't think it's great, but I feel like... Because we, we, we have so many cancels with upside. Uh, upside is the reason. Yeah, I, I, yeah, but I just feel like people treat cancels if cancels bad. Like, cancel's a fine card. It's just, yeah, we get a lot of cancel with upside because we can't have counterspell. But by itself, cancel, or in this case, like, you know, like cancel itself, like, does the job, right? Three mana counter your thing. Yeah. And that's fine. Nine out of ten, all these cancels with upside, nine out of ten times, they're cancel. So it, it's it's fine. And this again, five mana for a sweeper, fine. You know, I'm, I'm playing black and red. I've been dealing with this the whole time in Pioneer. Generally speaking, it's okay. You prefer to have a four mana sweeper. And looking at this card, I'm like, damn it, I wish I had damnation. No. Not intended to say damn it before that. But like this makes me sad. I'm like, man, I want I want a new toy. <laughs> I want a new I want a new cool sweeper. And no, you're not talking about the six mana snow one. Go away, Brad. You get no, no. Okay, I mean I I, I like that one a lot, but it's not gonna work in Grixis. Okay. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Run all the tap lands? <laughs> fun. No, Alex, you get uh Tibolt's trickery. That's that's Grixis's new counterspell. Yay! No, but we got the the crush sweeper right. We talked about earlier. Yeah, the red one. Yeah, that one's pretty good. All the blue control cards we're getting, they're pretty good. Poison the cup. I'm not a big fan, but we already have fatal push. We got eliminate. We got heartless act. We were kind of spoiled early 2020. Yeah. So like, as opposed to like you know the rest of the world wasn't particularly spoiled, but black blaze control players got spoiled for some reason. Right. To help us through these trying times, here's Eliminate. It's like the Hulk meme. <laughs> where it's like, you know, me sitting at home, not being able to go to the LGS, and then Watsy's like, Eliminate. <laughs> there you go. There you go, buddy. And then, the yeah, here's Heartless Act as well. Enjoy it. Enjoy them all. Now I just want Damnation, but I'm greedy. And I like Damnation because I have the Nicol Bolas, um, what's it? The Invocation. And it's badass. Yes. they All the Invocations are great. But... I have nothing else to say about Doomscar. That card, I think, is the best card in the set. Um, I, I, I haven't finished my list yet for my top five, but like, God, I feel like this is number one. 
I've... I just wanted to wait till we got the full spoiler. Yeah. Like last week, how I mentioned that I thought runes was going to be the most impactful mechanic, just blind. It's like, it's probably going to be runes, right? Like, Runeforge Champion is so good, this has to break one of them. The answer to that is no. Unless we get more runes, they're all bad. Yeah, all the runes that we have. They're all cartouches from Amoncat, but worse. Yeah, they're all two-mana runes. They all replace themselves when they enter the battlefield so they all draw you a card which is super nice don't get me wrong but uh and then they just do the the standard thing that the colors do so white gives your thing plus one plus one and lifelink no 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 no. that's the thing most of them don't even give stats oh yeah there is no plus one white is just lifelink blue is flying black is death touch uh, red is haste and plus one attack, and rune gives uh, uh, rune of might. The green one gives plus one plus one and trample. There you go. So for five mana, you can Voltron the hell out of your rune forge champion, and it becomes a four four. The best thing about them is the fact that you can like enchant like equipments is is really cool and stuff. But like, and why doesn't the white one just give life link of vigilance or something? Right? Like, yeah, you can literally suit up your rune forge champion, and it's a four four, and it doesn't even <laughs> vigilance. It's just. Come on. I, I don't know why these would be the only runes that we get. It doesn't make sense. You printed Runeforge Champion and then the artifacts that are so good. But then you're like, but we don't we don't want people to play. Well, that's the thing, right? They're so good. So the runes have to be bad. Yeah, but at least give us more than five. <laughs> you They make two rares and a whole new car type. This this just speaks to the thing that like Kaldheim is overfilled with mechanics that's the thing that sucks about it yeah it, it's really just by it's just super like overcrowded right too many mechanics uh, not enough cards to dedicate the cycles uh and then you just get this yeah and you get these half hour cycles that probably just shouldn't be in the de- shouldn't be in the set and you get berserkers and that sort of thing well and three billion lands by the way yeah there's so many lands there are so many lands in this set like i not counting double-faced modal double-faced cards there's well i suppose they kind of even counting those what has more lands this or zendikar it feels like this it's probably close it feels like this set does and it might be this it might be this there's, there's like six different cycles of lands it's it's weird like there's already there's at least 10 uncommons for the guilds there's faceless haven if we're gonna count the snow duels which i think we should that's already like yeah. 21 new lands introduced. Then there's the, the one that works sort of like the, the ones from Jumpstart, where you choose a color, and then it can also tap for that color. So that's, yeah, then there's the, the tap ones that are the guilds that have upside when you sack them to do something. Yeah, that's the ones I meant first with the, the guild cycle. Oh, okay. You've got 10. Oh, that's right. So you've got those 10. They've got 10 duels. Then you've got like two other ones that i know of then you've got the gods one then you have snow covered because snow covered actually make a difference those basics being snow covered you have yeah 10 snow covered so that's 28 different lands already and that, that's what i can think of from the top of my head there's probably more 14 24 25 26 27 28 29 30 31 32 33 34 35 36 37 38 lands if if you want to and if you want to be you can make it 34 if you take away the fact that i counted the snow cover planes in like island swamp mountain and forest twice because there's two arts so if you take away four of those or no you get 33 33 so yeah 33 unique lands in this set <laughs> apparently and the fact that they also like they're like yeah there's uh there's 10 realms 
There's uh, these also the flavor text of uh, Doomscar is insinuating that literally uh, Bredegard is gonna fucking explode. So hooray! It's a it's a Lara, boys. <sighs> right, the realms crash together. It's a Lara reborn. We'll get those next set. We're gonna get the shards next set. I'm still sticking to that prediction that the, the houses are shards. Except there's no Grixis or Nicol Bolas this time, so it is much worse than Alara Reborn. <laughs> I hope we get... I kind of like... And, and this is not just like... I mean, I'm biased because I want Grixis cards. Yeah. But I don't just want Grixis cards and like good Izzet cards, good Rectals cards, and good Demir cards. I would actually like some more three-color cards. Yep. Like, I think three-color cards with like... Well, if they if they do the shards, they could they could finish the tricycle wedges in Ikoria, but I I kind of wish we got some more three color cards. Sometimes you would get a Grixis tricycle. Look at that! Yes, please. Yeah. Good lord! Yes, please. I think that's the perfect place to do it, and then you have a, a powerful standard in a sense where you have a complete cycle for once. Yes, give me that Grixis triome. Yeah, give it to me, Brad. Oh, and and the art could be badass. They could be like houses. Right, with Strixhaven, and it could be like awesome, like magic castles. So we're also. Oh, I'm getting excited now, and that's the next set. And Kaldheim isn't even out yet. Also, uh, weird thing to mention: there's been no state of the game update for Arena this month. Hmm. Strange. Yeah, we're almost in the last week of January. There hasn't been one yet. The latest they've ever done it was like the 13th or 14th, and it's, it's it is the 19th. Um, so I find that interesting. Before we wrap up. Because I know you've got to go soon. They just spoiled. I just saw one card being spoiled, and I think it's kind of cool. Okay. Very quick. Bind the monster. One blue for an aura. Enchant creature. When bind the monster enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature. It deals damage equal to its power. Uh, I suppose to you. Yeah. Damage to you equal to its power. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. So it's just one blue. Tap a creature. Never untaps. But the additional cost is it hits you in the face once. It's interesting. That's actually... I'm not sure if that's good, but it sounds good. Very good and limited. Like, I talked about Bubble Snare in Zendikar, right? Which is just one mana for this, except it doesn't tap the creature, so you don't do the damage, but you can kick it. And then it would tap the creature and keep it tapped. That seems like a... This seems strong to me. Yeah, I think it seems pretty good. Even because it kind of is like... It's kind of removal. I mean, I suppose Blue is getting straight-up removal this set, so maybe this isn't good enough anymore. Bongify reprint when, but oh, that's that's just the haunting journey card, which I guess we can talk about that real quick. It's the it's the last mythic cycle of um, foretell, haunting journey. It's uh, four and two blacks so with six mana for a six mana sorcery. Choose a creature type. Return up to two creature cards of the chosen type from your graveyard to the battlefield. If this spell was foretold, return all creature cards of the chosen type from your graveyard to the battlefield instead. And its foretell cost is five double blacks so with seven mana. Um, I think the card's really cool, but it seems very, very, very expensive. It's a six mana sorcery. This doesn't work. Yeah. Like, what tribe are you running this in? I want to say vampires, but no. No, like, I don't know, angels? Sure. So you can cast it for six and get, like, two big angels? But isn't, like, your curve already crowded with expensive angels? That That's the thing, right? This card is good. If the tribe you're getting, because I'm not even considering like the Rise of the Dark Realm side, right? Like, for telling two and then paying seven, like, what deck with all the creature wants that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, cool. You played in elves and you reanimate seven elves and three shaman of the package, one shot your opponent. But that means you're getting to seven mana first. 
So the main way I see this, because reanimation spells are designed to cheat, right? So if you're paying six mana to reanimate two creatures, you don't want seven mana worth of stuff, because then you didn't really cheat, right? That's why a lot of the reanimation spells nowadays see no play, because they keep being five mana. And it's like, if I spend five mana to get a seven drop back, I'm not that far away from just casting the seven drop. And this brings back two creatures, but that means you're going to have to reanimate some really big creatures. And they have to be in a tribe. Like, didn't we... Is it called Ever After? There was this reanimation spell that was in standard... That was from Shadows Over Innistrad. Yeah, just Ever After. Six mana, sorcery. Return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Each of those creatures is a black zombie, in addition to its other colors and type. Put Ever After on the bottom of its owner's life. Didn't have the foretell shenanigans, but wasn't restricted to a tribe. And I think in a reanimation deck, that can be very important. Because, like... Reanimating like a Razakath and a Dracuseth, right, is kinda bonkers. But you can do that with the other one because they don't share a tribe. And Ever After is so far from being good, why would this ever be? Again, Rise from the Rise from the Dark Realms is a pipe dream. Yeah, this is only good if you foretell it, and that's still so that's seven mana. That's 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 ridiculous. Um I did just send you a card, and the reason I sent you this was for two reasons. Yes. First off, Vengeful Reaper. This is a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Look at that art. People want to look it up. This is Yu-Gi-Oh. 100%. Yeah. It's a uh, four mana, two, three, Angel Cleric, uh, three and a black with flying, death touch, and haste. Foretell, one and a black. Um, you, know what I, you know what this uh, this should go in? You know, what, you know what deck this should go in? Well, Soul Flare. Yeah. Gives you a card to play with nice some nice amount of keywords. Yeah. Problem with Soul Flare and all those decks is just play Dredge this Dredge. They're the better self-mill deck. Because you just instantly win rather than play yeah, a 4-4. But, but I want <laughs> I want an indestructible flying boy though. I feel like this card should kind of say something along the lines of like uh if this card deals damage to a planeswalker, remove that many loyalty counters from it. Like it would like deal double damage to walkers or something. Because a f- flying death touch haste, but there's only a four mana two three. This really looks to me like a card you could kind of play and just snipe something. But because of how combat works in Magic, you don't, because your opponent's just not going to block it and take the two. This is one of those cards that's like secret indestructible, uh, secret unblockable. It's like unless it really matters, your opponent's just never going to block this. And you're Any- anyway, this isn't uncommon. It just looks really cool. The art, the art is like phenomenal. But we've said that a lot. There is great art in Goldeneye. Yeah, good place to end. It's 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 a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Real quick, reminders out the door, Alex. If people want to find you and your brews and your big brain thoughts, where can they go? They can go to Twitter and find me at Disciple of Bolas, where I will post most things I brew up and uh, randomly put some thoughts on there and uh, retweet cardboard crack and other videos, generally magic related or originating from people who play magic. And of course, you can find everyone being myself and Alex at the Pio Perspective Twitter account. That is the shared account. That is our podcast account. And uh, you can also find me at Bradsfer, B-R-A-D-C-I-F-E-R. Every single social media you could possibly think of is under that tag. Uh, YouTube channel will be at Pioneer Perspective. That will be up later this week once we do our videos, which I'll, we'll announce officially that we're doing the Have the Brews Up come uh, next week's episode, right? I guess, because we're doing the top five next few days. Yeah, we're doing uh we're doing it Saturday is the planning. Yeah. So that that also could go up early. We'll see. Otherwise, uh oh yeah, this is also brought to you by the MTG at home Discord server where you could play some paper magic with us and enjoy the company of all the like-minded individuals when it comes to magic. 
unless you are talking to Matt, the player who does not pay life for anything. He will not play Shocklands. He will not play Thoughtseize. <laughs> he will not touch those cards with a 10-foot pole. Otherwise, though, you could find some uh, like-minded individuals to brew some decks together and look at some Kaldheim brews and maybe even participate in an Invitational, which, by the way, this Saturday and Sunday, we have two Invitationals to report on. We have the Popper Invitational for the first time in the MTGO Home Discord server this Saturday at 2 Eastern. And we also have the Pioneer Invitational, which will be casted by myself and Alex as per usual on Sunday at 12 Eastern. So watch us talk about games and uh, you can, uh, you know, check out some wonderful matches. Oh, and by the way, we're doing double elimination. So we're, we changed the format. We changed the uh, the way it's working. It's going to be so much better. I'm excited. I'm so excited. And uh, and due to the slight shift in time, I don't have to be so worried about the time. Older. Exactly. That was a lot of that was a lot of time in one sentence. Time, 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 time. Speaking of time, I am running behind in terms in terms of time. So I need to get going. But closing thoughts. I love you. We both love you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to us every single week. I love you too, Brad. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too, Alex. It's okay, but I wasn't talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. Yep. We'll see you next week and hope you, uh, I, whatever. I just hope you enjoy it. God fucking damn it. Alex, you fucked me up, but we love you as per usual. Other Alex, do not cut that out. Also, do not cut this part out. Keep all of it in. Just play the music over it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.